Welcome to Nameless Debate Radio, where radioactivity is contagious. You can join us in broadening our minds on the Nameless Debates Discord via the link below and even feature here yourself, if you've got what it takes. Yeah. It's a good way to get the, uh, the outline of the, the territory that's being discussed mm-hmm. somewhat uh, topologically mapped out. Yeah. Matt, do you have a link to the video, or is there a YouTube channel I could go to? Yeah, of course, dude. Awesome. Um, I'm going to send it to my, uh, one of my friends. It's a good one to share, though. Like, I think you guys go through it in a fairly streamlined way to get, like, uh, get, like, at least the basis of what data logic is seeking to represent. Uh, that becomes quite evident over the course of your guys' discussion because when you went into a place where you said, well, we kind of just proved it, and then what you guys came to was the idea of um, what was it? Demonstration. How you can demonstrate it. And that might be a, a, a way that's more confidence building than the idea of proof because when you get down to the nebulous notion of proof, it's like water in our hands more or less. We can only hold yeah. so much. I'm going to destroy you now, Matt. <laughs> Let's hear it, dude. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's going to flip it on its head. Oh, this is what I was going to say, though, to both of you. Yeah, I mean, to whoever cares to listen. Uh, I found myself not knowing Matt's position on, you know, hardly anything when it comes to, like, personal preferences. But over oh. the course of our friendship, go ahead, man. No, I was just saying no. Oh, yeah, and this um, this increasing tally, if you will, or percentage of the things that I find overlap on, like that I personally have like a similar idea or maybe a nuanced difference of opinion, but not really in position, just maybe the flavor of words that I would choose to spice up the dish. That's... That's about all I usually find myself differing on with Matt. Because the positions themselves, they all seem so uh, fundamentally expressed from that same datalogical basis that... uh, Always had a lot of time to think, you know? Right. (laughs) I've only recently got into it. So I I don't know if I hold um, very many different positions, but I'm sure I do. Um, Well, the the vegan one... Yeah, right, exactly. That's and, the, I, um, are you're not pro vegan, are you? Matt? Me, per, oh Matt, yeah, yeah. And you, are you? Uh, I I went through a phase where I was pretty heavy into it, and I still agree with a lot of the uh, the kind of arguments and reasons for it. Uh, I think there's a good health kind of uh, line that you can take with it, but ultimately, it was just not something that I could hold down on <laughs> uh yeah so like i i basically i'm pretty satisfied with the idea of omnivorism or just being an omnivore uh-huh. and the convenience one like you guys went over that's uh i'm pretty sure that's one of the paramount reasons that that's the case yeah well if you base your argument on the m- main reason people actually do it it's pretty hard to argue with <laughs> 
It is. And I do like, I love some good vegan cuisine. Like we still seek out vegan restaurants wherever we go. Uh, my family, but it's, uh, it's not a matter of like religious adherence. When you, yeah. At least for us. I'm about to eat a, a chicken, <laughs> a chicken patty <laughs> in a second. So nice. Hey. <laughs> Um, it's it's good though, man. Fire. That like you're open to hearing all sides of it. Oh yeah, I am. I'm I'm pro vegan, like I said. It's a very loose position, so it's like, eh, you know, I can see both sides. It doesn't. Yeah. Well, it is God's original diet. Yeah, I'm kidding. But when you think about the garden, <laughs> I'm of... glad you're kidding. Oh my lord, yeah. <laughs> that was that was scary. It was a frightening like... moment for me. I was like, oh no. I'm like, well, Adam and Eve were just fruitivores, so, you know. Sorry, you don't know me enough to know that I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I didn't, like, take it, um, that, you know, because uh, it could have just been, like, you know, reference to God or the Bible, not necessarily that you believe in the Bible, so, you know. Right. Not, you, don't, you, you may even believe in them, and it wouldn't matter to me. Same. Yeah, I actually don't have as much of an issue with, uh, theists as I used to in my past, but I have met now through Discord a number of very um, abrasive theists that... Oh, yeah. I've I met a few Muslims in the past few days that are very aggressive. It's it's not like they just argue with, like, atheists as well. They, like, argue with each other, and they're they're hardcore. Like <laughs> Right. <laughs> They take those interpret interpretations of the Quran, like they'll fight over that for hours. Like it's crazy. Right. Yeah, that's. I mean, I've been trying to find a way to express something about like it might be like an Alan Watts idea, but the adherence to the letter of the law as opposed to the spirit of the law. Mm -hmm. uh, it seems as though people like to bicker over the letter as opposed to help each what other. What do you mean by the letter exactly and the spirit? So like. If someone were to say, like, the, the word of the Bible, exactly, is the literal word of God, ah, I just okay. think you can get not lost. Even, like, not even just that. We're talking, like, the way people interpret, uh, like, legal laws. Yes, especially that, too, man. Like, they, the legal framework. Or, like, the theme or, you know, the, mm -hmm. the idea of the law rather than, you know, just take it verbatim as it says. Yep. And they don't put it into some, like, updatable context that takes the new information of the con the circumstances and then you know judges accordingly it's very hard to instruct yep. people how to do that within uh words that are just you know yeah there to be misinterpreted any number of ways mm -hmm. but yeah the letter of the law is essentially the idea that people love to like you said bicker over you know, scripture, whether it's the Bible, the Torah, oh, the yeah. Quran, <laughs> and they'll just, they'll be fighting over perspectives when you boil it down or presuppositionalism uh -huh. of some form. And, yeah, you know, there's, there could be um, any number of interpretations, but I don't know how yeah. you actually come to the conclusion that one's correct. I've never argued over it. So it seems like a hard place to yeah. have anything other than the kind of, pontificating posturing preachers bellowing voice of 
like fake confidence or something like that. It's a very common uh, problem I have. I debate fiction, a lot of fiction verses and things like that uh, as well. That's interesting to me. Yeah, and um, it's a pretty common issue when an author states something, you have to try to interpret it. And a lot, and mm-hmm. most of the time, people like end up just asking the author directly, like, "What do they mean by this?" And they'll clarify. But uh, that's not really possible with the Bible and the Quran. So, <laughs> I agree, man. And that's <laughs> that's actually what I love about Matt because, like, how often do you meet one of the people that is like willing to engage? Oh, all, with their oh, ideas? all the time, every day. Just kidding. Do you, uh, <laughs> I'm like you, really? I've got to travel in your circles more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Matt was one of the first people that actually I was able to have a far-reaching ontological conversation with that in spite of our, I wouldn't even consider it a rocky start. Like, we had a pretty effortless start when I reflect back on it. I met him. I'm still pretty hostile with some of the people. Yeah. I was annoyed, but uh, it's fine, though. It's, (laughs) it's, It's interesting to hear, though, I think. He admits he, he knows he's a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Aggressive. He's, he's extra quiet tonight, too. Or maybe I'm just overly chatty. Uh, nah, man. I'm, I'm just listening for a bit. Yeah. Okay. He's just lurking in the background, waiting for his opportunity to jump on me with the, no, you're completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, got it, I, Matt has been really, I think, uh, patient with me, too, in terms of because I'm I'm older, like I'm I'm 36 and got family, three kids, wife. Uh, mm. But I've been, you know, at this whole what I just consider like an ontological awakening for the past decade or more, oh, and yeah. trying to trying to base it on like ideas that I would. I would more or less just try to base everything on the imagination and the admission of everything having this imaginary basis being what I didn't know was essentially a form of presuppositionalism. And yeah. like, as I, you know, we basically were able to cross check our dictionaries in a way that augmented both of us in a way that I think I fill in for, cause Matt has what we would call uh aphantasia in uh, kind of modern psychological terms, which is like, he doesn't really have the ability to perceive things uh, like he doesn't really see pictures in his imagination at all. It's like a yeah. third eye type blindness. And I have like an overactive imagination, like, really (laughs) just always imagining things go ahead man oh sorry i wasn't gonna say anything my bad oh sorry i keep thinking you're i'm cutting you off no you're fine don't worry about it i'm (laughs) working on something right now so it's all good but yeah like that little feature right there like we ended up finding the compliment in each of our approaches that I took a more aesthetic route. He took a more uh, logical route, but Uh he had what I missed and I had what he didn't really require, but he could see the the value in nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, I would say I probably require it. I wish I could do it myself, honestly. 
I think it would be a handicap if you did personally. Like I feel like it's a handicap for me. <clears throat> I don't know. A handicap in what sense? Like I can't quite formalize my arguments without a little bit of a the the word that comes to mind is stochastic. Like I get this like just I cast a net into the close approximations of the thoughts that are happening in my brain. And it's not necessarily in any sequential order. But to me, I can kind of trace how it is that I got that. And another word that comes to mind is uh, subitize. So like the ability to just immediately apprehend five to seven thoughts that are just, they're all abstract floating theoretical representations or something like that. And I can I can kind of trace a map and sketch out a, a meaning out of all of that, but unless the person's familiar with either I got me yeah. and that or has, does something similar, <laughs> then most people think that I'm just doing something to kind of um, bedazzle or do some sophistry or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Hey, Matt. What's up? What's your uh, opinion? You you've talked to that jury guy, haven't you? He's in the server. Yeah. Uh, yeah, dude. Yeah, what do you think of him? Is he good? I've only had one conversation with him, which wasn't... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not, I don't really feel like it's fair to judge him based on that, because... Um, yeah, first impression. He, ca- he came in... No, but he came in without a lot of context, and uh, bunkered down on the wrong points, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And it didn't seem like he was incapable, but he wasn't... He didn't do well, in my opinion, in the debate that I had with him. Oh, what was your debate? Uh, it was about a couple of things. Um, let me see. At the time, any? it was like libertarianism and uh, economics and anarchism. Oh, that's right. Someone said something about... Yeah, this dude was getting like a bunch of words wrong. He said like... Uh, I said that what, what was that? I said I was a minarchist. Yeah. And he said that uh, why wasn't I just an ANCAP? Um, to which my response was I don't think anarchy is actually sustainable. Like I don't it doesn't seem stable to me in the long term. And um, he just like argued with me about what anarchy and what anarchists like anarchism, like what they meant, and then we moved on to a couple of other words that we argued about, and basically he just refused to, to check the dictionary and just refused to receive corrections. He was using his own like idiosyncratic definitions of them. It was mostly like a bit of a waste of time. Mm-hmm. Not sure. And Matt's pretty precise with almost all his words, enough to where I, if I'm listening to him and I hear his choice, like he'll, he'll basically give a caveat that he's speaking in a general uh, definitive context. And then people will either gloss over the word general and immediately, like he said, take it into an idiosyncratic or super individuated definition of their own. And he tries to pull them back into that general space. But then they try to pull, it like causes this tug of war between an individual or a general way to look at things. Uh. And it's, it's a weird like I said, it would say tug of war between minds that are, I was actually thinking about this, Matt, that what we could probably start to do is map some of the ideological biases that people of certain 
political preferences would have and then use language that caters or finds ways of avoiding those tug of war spots those bifurcations if you will where we're able to use a word that sublimates a bit of what would uh, reduce the friction or resistance mm-hmm. based on our knowledge of that ideological position and offers up a better word or maybe even a more um, a cushioned approach. Mm-hmm. And here's where I'm a little bit vague on the thought here. But my idea was that we could find a way to uh, well, fuck. It's kind of getting away from me now. <laughs> it's and in a way, it's a it's a bit of embellishing where you just add a few extra words that it's like it primes the interlocutor's mind that you're going to be we'll staying here in a general space until we can get more idiosyncratic. Mm-hmm. And, and once it's generally understood and well, and like both parties are, you know, fully clear on that general understanding, then we, you know, continue forward. Mm-hmm. Getting more nuanced as need be. Yeah, but so in some is ways. That, is, sorry, is that Brendan coming at all? I was hoping he would pop in. I was hoping too. Uh, he has not responded. And. Maybe I took too long. Maybe. Yeah, he might be a, heading to sleep. Yeah, I checked on Messenger too. He's, he's at least looked at the message. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. What... Huh. Well, yeah. If he shows up, I bet it would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Because then we can maybe double back on... Did you happen to catch any of our recording from that night? Uh, it was our second chat between me and Brendan. Um, uh, yeah, I've, I'm sure I've got it. I haven't actually like looked at it yet because I've got... Uh, did I tell you my hard drive? Like I was trying yeah, to... Yeah, dude. So I can't even. I'm such a fucking moron, dude. I, I yeah. hate that kind of thing too because it takes forever. Oh, dude, I didn't even know that I'll definitely get it back. And there was a shitload of stuff on there that like... Like, so my fucking hard drive was failing. So I was like, oh, yeah, like I'll be clever. And I'll like uh, move all my stuff onto this other hard drive that, uh, you know, is like working fine. And I did, and I got, like, all my stuff off at all the work that I've done. So, like, I've got, like, 15 or 16 recordings that were, like, edited, but I hadn't put them into videos yet because rendering takes goddamn ages. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had, like, all the other videos that I've got, like, on there, all the resources and everything for them so that I can, like, still use them and stuff. And then, uh, like, the, you know, the walkthrough? 
Yeah. Yep. I hadn't uploaded that. I don't have that right now. I would have to like re down. I would have to hopefully it would still have it on the. It's ridiculous, dude. Oh, man. Oh. And it's on the old computer? Sorry? That got corrupted or the new one? The new hard drive, I'm sorry. Um, so no, it was like I was trying to set up the new hard drive and then I was just basically a big dickhead and I, um, what do you call it? Formatted the wrong drive. Oh, I see. I see what you did then. (laughs) That's a perfectly, perfectly bummer bonehead move. That's it, man. It's really cool. I love it. Well, at at least you made a mistake once in your life, (laughs) right? Yeah, for sure, dude. <laughs> Taking it easy for all those sinners out here. <laughs> dude, so uh, what I was the reason why I asked if you had heard it, because I did my best to try to convince Brendan that, well, one of the things that he said was like, is it possible to just have like a personal understanding of DM theory? but then kind of take it elsewhere based on his own preferences. Um, And I'm kind of butchering a little bit of what he said, but basically for him to do his own version of it. And I, I said that basically seems cool to me, but like, what is it that like we ultimately disagree on? Like it would be good for us to both know. And he wanted to kind of take us to task on the point that, you reiterated in this last chat with noodles uh that you know ultimately would be this inarguable position once people got to know what it was about i think Mm -hmm. he didn't fully understand that and i tried my best to explain that point but i think i butchered it well i'll have to have a look at it yeah, I think maybe you need to. Thing, maybe it's a good thing he didn't rock up today then, eh? <laughs> it might be, because he would have came back maybe twice as confused. Which, that's why I'm saying, dude, it, it, this whole imagination thing might be a fucking handicap. Well, I mean, in some sense, it probably is, but... Count your blessings, man. It's pretty cool. Like <laughs> it. It's good for artwork and poetry and, you know, all that kind of stuff, but you still seem to have an ability to poetically extrude meanings without the need to embellish, you know, the kind of visionary aspects of it. Mm -hmm. And it's not any less visionary. I mean, it's definitely less visionary than the kind of work you do. I agree. But, uh, I think, okay, so let's see. Dante is, he seems to be cut from the same cloth that you are. Uh, But also, I don't think he has that aphantasia thing. So Uh uh, he he might be like the neo-sapien hybrid of what you and I would be if we had a baby. So, (laughs) (laughs) but it's just, you know, I had to do that with with a woman. Of course, of course. Uh, of course. Biology. How dare you betray me like that? I know it, right? Uh, but like he he seems to be the the thing that would 
just evolved naturally out of uh, a combination of our minds. Mm -hmm. So he's our sapiosexual love child. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Definitely an interesting one. I'm kidding. Half, half of this as well. Mm -hmm. um, but if, like, and this is why I'm going to ask, I don't want to even put you on the spot with that, but I, I want him to spend time with you talking and listening to your videos just because uh, what I got from him today is that ultimately he trusts me and can understand me because he's developed a certain sense of trust. Uh -huh. And then when I was playing his vi your video, the one with you and Noodles recently, he, I could see him kind of tracking some of it, but then I also noticed that he just, he couldn't, and it's not even like you were using all that complex of language. Definitely not any more, uh, it was less complex than I've gotten with him. But because we, I have that father-son relationship with him, it's just, it's easy. And so I give him the visionary trust download, you give him the logic trust download, and then, you know, we have a fully structured, flowing Neo-Sapien on our hands that we can hopefully uh, release into the wild and see what happens with it. Nah, I think that's great, man. I really like that. Definitely a, a relationship I'm interested in uh, continuing and fostering. Mm -hmm. No doubt, man. <laughs> what do you think of noodles? Ah, oh, he's deafened. Let's let Gloob Glob speak. What's up, Gloob hey, Who's Glob? this guy? Gloob Glob. You can unmute yourself, Gloob Glob. Should be able to. What's up, buddy? Hey, can you hear me? Yep. Yeah. Yo, what's up, guys? You know, memes and such. Just getting this push to talk thing figured out. Had to set the shortcut and shit. What you thinking, Eddie? I'm reading. Uh, my buddy Toph is in Maine talking with the DM. Cool, dude. This is interesting. They're getting at it on uh, socialism, it looks like. In sync, what's been up with you lately? I haven't talked to you in a couple days. I remember last time you were explaining the data logic thing to me. And then uh, we got cut off. Someone else wanted to talk or something. Yeah, I just had a bit going on. That's all. How dare you have a life? I, know. I, I wanted to know. I was, in, I was intrigued. Yeah, man. I mean, we can talk about it now if you're interested. 
Yeah, I'm interested. I'm down. Did you have a specific question, or I don't really remember where we would have got up to or anything? Well, you had stated we we're talking about God and such, and you had stated that um, regardless of if uh, this universe has a God or not, whatever's at the uh, the uh, beginning of reality with a capital R is a uh, data logic or something. That's correct. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so therefore, God isn't at the beginning of reality with a capital R. Uh, close. Not exactly the last bit, but cl pretty close. Yeah, so, uh, like, wh what do you think is at the beginning of reality, then? Me. <laughs> is, the, is it the question? Yeah, that's the, the question is, like, like, what do you, I don't know if beginning's the problem. Didn't you already answer it, though? Well, you said data logic, and then yep. uh, trying to remember what the description you gave of it was. Do you want to give it a shot, Eddie? I would love to hear this. So, like, how to define it? So, yeah, just, I don't know, talk to him about it. Let's see. Okay, I would love to actually try and have you... So, I'm, I'm going to have Matt correct me when I misspeak, and uh, Gloob, yes, Glooblob. Yeah. Uh, are you are you basically asking what the like definition of data logic is? Uh, yeah, I I think I remember him stating that it is um the log like the fundamental logic that doesn't require like a an observer to give it mm -hmm. meaning or something. Yeah. So data is uh, it's defined as uninterpreted. Uh, non-contingent information and the like if you just looked up data on I think it's wiki something one of the wikis it just it defines it as uninterpreted information and the non-contingent part that as far as I'm concerned is meaning that it, it's not going to rely on anything for it to exist it's it's basically an eternal object or uh, the, the way I like to consider it is like a static piece of eternity that is like a holographic whole. Um, so it's, it's either like a pixel or an omniverse, but it's that whole thing superpositioned unto itself always and forever because it's opposite. Nothingness is, is impossible. Yeah, I get, I, I get the gist of what you're saying. I'd be interested to know if you could repeat it back. Um, yeah, uh, I'll try. So, he said that... Uh, Data logic is uh, non-contingent. Um, it's uh, it's the eternal logic behind it all that doesn't uh, yeah it doesn't uh, rely on uh, any observer. If you define, if you look up data, that it says that it's uninterpreted information. So it's um, 
yeah, it's just the uh, eternal uninterpreted information, right? Not bad. Yeah, I'm, and I'm close, definitely. Yeah, and close. I'm I'm choppy on it too, man. So, like, you're getting the pieces of it that are, for me, that's how I have to, you know, extrude it through my own mind. Yeah, well, what you said sounds very similar to how he initially had explained it to me when we were talking before, so. It helps that the definition kind of does a lot of the work, and then, like, uh, how, how much of an interest do you have in, like, just words in general, or semantics? Uh, I, I'm interested. Because if, if, if you take that and kind of turn up the volume on that, my my experience of words and like i basically try and build little visual pictures of each one of them uh they start to become these like really fluid pieces of a puzzle that i can kind of use <laughs> i'm mixing metaphors here but puzzle lego uh they like are interchangeable or modular and like when it comes to data logic the logic side of it, I use, um, it's, um, what is it, defined as, uh, gosh, why is it missing? I know it's structure, but it's uh, relational structure of some sort. Why, why am I blanking on that? Matt, help me out on that one. Sorry. <clears throat> Sorry, could you just repeat the last bit? Yeah, logic is defined as structural relation... Consistency. Uh, that's it, consistency. Well, that was the word I was missing. So, consistent structural relationship mm -hmm. is the logic side of it, which as far as I've been able to learn about logic, all of the, that is new to me. I used to reject logic because I was more postmodern than I... Uh, knew I was <laughs> and the consistency part of it was I mean you can start to use words consistently and in doing so like I think as Matt has demonstrated you get like this uh, you get this expanding sphere of awareness about what the words you're using can reference or refer to in like, even if it's just in physics, if we're speaking about, like, the fact that we all exist, if we take the cogito seriously and look at what its presuppositions are, it has to presuppose that there's data for it to be interpreted. And the whole process by which the cogito is made sense by our own subjective analysis chambers is logic. It's just that consistent relational form that we embed our understandings in. It has always been mirroring this thing that we have been mischaracterizing as like a deity or a god. But ultimately that idea of a god needing to begin anything, like where did reality begin from? kind of a misnomer or misapprehension because what if reality didn't need a beginning and if we look at it consistently 
nothingness precludes its own, uh, I guess, existence, <laughs> its own non-existence. That automatically just gives us a nice little way to stand on the same common ground about, okay, so we all agree that nothingness is impossible. Now what? Yeah, so what I'm interested in, and um, this is what me and Sync were kind of talking about a couple of days ago, was like, um, we we're talking about God, and we were talking, I was, he said, what interested me is how he said that our universe could have very well come from a, a God or gods and such. Mm -hmm. There is this underlying logic to, to reality, and it would, it would be uh, more far-fetched, I guess, if the, if reality itself came from God. Yeah. Because how could God be behind it? If, how could God be before reality itself? Right. Um, so what, it, what interests me with this data logic and such is uh, how I conceptualize reality in the universe is I think that we, when we think about our origin, that we can pose these questions such as uh where did our life begin and like how was our universe uh, how did our universe come to be yeah it'd be like the big bang and we were thinking about our universe as a closed system mm -hmm. so we can say um well perhaps yeah perhaps it came out of nothing or, or such or perhaps it um there was a prime mover um what, what gets to me when it when it comes to this discussion about logic is if we do posit that there is a some prime mover behind our universe like our closed system universe that exists in a in like a trans-dimensional universe or something mm -hmm. or another plane uh i'm not sure that uh our logic would necessarily uh be uh universal to the logic of um that world I feel as though there could be worlds out there that uh, don't fall under our logic. Um, and so if we have that, like we're inserting the logic of our closed system into that of worlds that are by their very nature elusive to our closed system. Okay. So um, let me see if I, I think I understand what you're saying. And so far as the, if we could call it logic with like a lowercase l, uh, as contrasted by logic with like an uppercase l, or subjective logic is lowercase, objective logic is uppercase. And what we're saying when, like we almost like superimpose subjective logic onto what we're calling objective logic. Are you saying that it's not necessarily true or uh, something to that effect that our universe has a multiversal logical application to whatever that multiversal construct might be regarded as? Well, I'm suggesting that, um, for example, the 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 very fundamental logic to our universe to our reality could uh could per perhaps only exist within our closed system of of a universe and perhaps in other in other universes out there they are fundamentally 
built a, upon com a completely different system of logic. And there could be several different systems of logic out there that somehow uh, create a universe that functions properly. And hmm. uh, I, I guess what I'm intrigued uh, with uh, the data logic is that perhaps there is some type of universal logic that uh, exists outside of all of the universes that, is, that uh, all of them must subscribe to, to this. Cool, man. So let me see if I can uh, clean up the language on this a little bit. If we were to say that the instead of universal logic as data logic, if it were omniversal as applying to all universes, and that each multiverse could very well have a variation in its, uh, I don't know, its data logical extrapolation of some sort, that it's the varieties that would construe that particular multiverse to be, let's just say, different in color or different in uh, mass or some some kind of physical constant of, of some sort, uh, that it would make for mm, life of a different form than we could even imagine at our present informational awareness. Uh, I think what you're saying is that data logic seems to fit the bill for the thing that would be kind of like the God logic of it all. Well, I'm saying that I'm kind of skeptical that we could uh, arrive at any type of awareness of any sort of logic that, uh, would be elusive to us by its very nature of existing outside of our closed system. Like I think, uh, I feel as though we, um, we can ask these uh, questions, like I said about uh, our origin and stuff, because they're questions about our system of, uh, mm -hmm. but if we are to step outside of that and say like, for example, the, the world that, uh, if we are to entertain the idea of a prime mover, the world that the prime mover would inhabit, perhaps that, that world has such uh, alien logic, is so fundamentally alien that uh, uh, so much about it is uh, is is alien. Not not just the, not just right. certain variables, but just the whole thing is a it's unfathomable. And right. For us to try to construe logic that would apply to that world uh, seems to me to be uh, a, a very hard task. Coming, given that we're we're always uh, we're always bound to the logic of our world, of the world that we're in, and um, also like not just not not if this is just it's like the turtles all the way down thing. Like if there's a mm -hmm. god to that world and a god to that world and such that eventually perhaps the the logic gets so alien down the line to the point to try to come come up to grounds with some type of universal logic seems to me to be a very a very hard task like given a huge stretch logic. yeah given our given our position in uh in the multiverse yeah now i can feel you man and th this is all very abstract and in many ways that that's why i use the language at least to make sure that i'm making sense to my own mind because uh when I speculate, let's say, about the multiverse, uh, I know that it's it's really hard for me to even make sense of 
like what we call the breadcrumb trail back home to our even just like our local super cluster let's say <laughs> and that's already like an order of magnitude well beyond where most people analyze this from so when i think about like how it is that logic applies to here on earth and if we were just to isolate what it is we're talking to our universe what we are or even less than that our observable universe what we what we find is that like i think the at the furthest reaches that we can analyze things relativity is still applying and if we look at the principle of relativity as being something that is um fundamental not only to data logic and the conception of its ubiquity or its proposed ubiquity but that when we when we do start to speculate in this way and seek a one logic to rule them all type uh conversation it's it's not necessarily to say that we are doing such a thing but the fact that we're talking about it that the domain of discourse exists is to me an absolute fact because here we are doing it and as far as getting our language to map on and use the same words to make sure that we're all meaning the same objects in our minds together uh a model such as DM theory would be necessary just so that we wouldn't lose our minds in, in the speculation of considering what order of magnitude to apply to what scope of analysis and, you know, so on from there. Yeah, I do think it is quite amazing that we can actually discuss this sort of thing with our language. Like, <laughs> yeah, dude, that we, that we have well, this think- reach. In a big way, it comes down to the technology. Like, we live in the age of information. Never before in history have people had access to so much information, ever. Yep. Like, it's just never occurred. Well, it is the fact that we can take it to this level of abstraction that uh, means to me that there is some reach, that we do have a reach to this uh, domain, some reach. That we can the transcendent. Yeah, we the fact that we can take it to this level of abstraction, it does, it does say it's that. at least entertaining, right? Like, yeah, to me, these are my favorite types of conversations. Yeah, to, well, for me too, this type of this type of thing, getting getting to the bottom of it, because uh, yeah, most of the time people people stop at the at the idea of there being a god, and then the gods, uh, they say, and then is, uh, is, uh, tell you what. The, Everybody who's thought of, who's thought about it past then stops at uh, the contradictory nature of of nothingness causes everything, and that's actually technically mm-hmm. wrong, also. Yep. And that's the second to last position, and it seems so right. It's very very difficult to get past. I know. I sure had some tough uh, some tough titties there. Nothingness. It's like God, but it's like you're like, no, nah, it's not God, right? It's like this thing <laughs> that isn't there so that you're here, but it doesn't actually make any sense because if it was actually what you're calling it, if it, like, if the reason for it causing things is that it can't be there, it can't cause things. What the fuck does that mean? Yeah. And other than like speculative thinking, like, that's the thing that would embrace such a, a fuzzy concept without at least applying some rigor to it. Mm-hmm. 
what do you what, what do you what do you guys logically make of this idea in regards to the afterlife um that rather than the the possibilities being either the afterlife or nothingness it's the afterlife it's or uh, nothingness or like an infinite amount of possibilities that um look i've heard that one as well and like it's an easy one like i said it's like if you say that you start with something that doesn't make any sense what you get is you can justify pretty much anything it's the it's the uh principle of explosion uh yeah so like i've entertained the idea of nothingness as a blank canvas that whatever infinite potential we seem to be able to carry over from life to afterlife that the choice would be between eternity what always is and nothingness what never is and if like an object such as ourself is able to survive that uh boundary condition the thing that we would like my personal experience like the last experience i had of my imagination of God was it as an electron floating out beyond the parameters of the omniverse. And when I zoomed into that electron, I saw an androgynous child, uh, like a five-year-old, chasing uh -huh. a butterfly in a, in a field. And that was like the last I saw the concept of God. Uh, and that was like 2014 for me. And I thought to myself in terms of what that symbolically represented is the promise of an infinity on the sacrifice of eternity. Like if we could sacrifice everything that we would essentially always be uh, attached to in some way, if we uh -huh. could detach from that, then there's this imaginary postulate of well, make of make of nothingness what you will, but it's uh, it's your own thing to explore without the help of anything other than your own absolute self. Absolutely, man. It's a weird thought, but like that was like a a human way for me to kind of anthropomorphize the thing those. Is, there's things. actually nothing you can't like. The thing about trying to uh, diagnose the problem of nothingness is that you actually don't have anything to work with. So you mm -hmm. sort of like have to like think really hard about what can't be the case because you have you you know you're here. You have to like think really hard about how you could maybe not include one of your biases in reasoning about what might be the case if things weren't the way that they absolutely are. Right? So it's like things obviously things exist, right? Mm -hmm. But like if you can try to put yourself in a headspace where you can say that they don't right, then what you're probably going to do is you're probably going to, like, have a look at it and conclude that you're not qualified to make an assessment. You can't see anything, first of all. And when you, tr as soon as you try to look, you get disoriented because looking at nothingness is like, it's like, what would you say? It's always pointing away from the thing that you're looking at. So, like, it's like, the thing that you're looking at is pointing you towards what you're supposed to be looking at, but it's always away from the thing when you look at it. It's like it's like um, what, what would you say? Like in like memory, 
it's like a redirect pointer. You know, it's it's like the program is referring to this bit in memory, and that bit in memory just says, "No, not here, there." Yeah, it's a, it's moving a goalpost almost. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, and I think the thing with nothingness for me, as far as how long I attach to it, is oh shit, that it, it signified to me the kind of appropriate agnostic assumption with which one would have to begin uh, a dialectic inquiry of some sort. Mm-hmm. And the thing that was fascinating to me is how data logic seemed to kind of shit on both the atheists and the theists in terms of the things they held as certain or irrefutable. For sure. I think the main thing is that like the religious people have always had a point and I've noticed it more and more ever since I figured out what the answer was. And the point is that like you can watch a religious person who studied religion for like 20 years and they're considered qualified for some reason. You can't quite figure it out. Right. And then it's like, you see them on a stage with this, a couple of scientists, right? And they're arguing, and um, the scientists are winning. But at the end of the day, whenever it comes down to how the scientists can actually tell things for sure, do you know what I mean? Like how, how scientists can make people feel like they really know, it's just not something they can do. So when it comes to like, so like the scientists make all these bold claims that look very true, you know what I mean? But if you've been taught to think at all, you know, like, well, things look true, but they're not necessarily true. And that's the first thing is, like, you're overly skeptical to begin with before you figure out how to do the skeptic thing properly. You're just like, okay, shit's fucked. Like, you can't trust anything because everything could be wrong. And so people do that. And then, like, when it comes to uh, listening to people who have actually put in the time to learn how to reason properly, what they think they're doing, they think they're doing the right thing, which is to doubt properly, right? Yeah. But because it's like Dunning-Kruger, it's like because they don't know what they don't know, they have no idea that the thing that they're doing is um, sticking too stubbornly to one thing because they think that, because they've noticed that there's something about it that's true, but because they're so clumsily articulating it, the thing that they're holding on to is like blinding them to a lot of other things. Yeah, there's painting with a broad brushstroke kind of mm-hmm, Absolutely, idea. yeah. Articulation's hard. You guys still there? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, man, I was thinking. Uh, what, what were you saying? Ah, I wasn't saying. <laughs> but this is uh this is what's interesting to me though is that like when when we talk about like skepticism and kind of the appropriate uh volume is the word that's coming to mind but I'm trying to think of a different way to frame it like the the aperture of skepticism if it can be focused to let in a certain amount of light then the picture that it will render to your mind will will be one that it it ultimately shouldn't reject like if 
even if and especially those pixels that it allows to compose the image are deductively arrived at and you know you've kicked the tires of the model that you're using to give you that image then it's like you kind of have to at least accept even if you have still a, a dash of skepticism still in your in your heart let's say like poetically still holding on to the the fact that we just don't know what we don't know it's it's worth investing conversationally in the open dialogue that we can have in terms of if i constrain my fundamental assumptions about reality to be in accord with dm theory let's say or the thing that replaces dm theory what we end up doing is veiling ourselves to the space where all potential can be realized because our attachments our preferences our values they're all kind of held in suspension outside of the space of realization which matt and i like to refer to as intellecty uh if it's a dynamic process and we're still in the in the mode of coming to learn what it is that we're analyzing and talking about uh we're we're engaged in a type of interface that isn't necessarily um it isn't necessarily going to be regarding anything other than the realization of potential as everything outside of that function or command is it's already too much work to do because to me i get destabilized now if i have to be skeptical about what i'm realizing i'd rather just be openly entertaining of the information that people bring to this kind of table and then you know if one of the things someone plops down is a steaming pile of dog shit i'm pretty sure someone will notice <laughs> like our senses can still kind of they can still kind of render the things that are disfavorable to a good dialectic so if someone comes in and just starts you know shouting out about like national jingoistic kind of racial superiority type things there's an instant stink going on in the way that people comport themselves in those ways and i guess adherence to the dialectic in pursuit of truth we just we kind of i don't know at that point i'm waiting for someone to bring some shit to the table so that we can all find out how it is that it doesn't fit like matt why is racism fundamentally wrong um by racism do you mean like discriminating against people based just on their race yeah solely on that feature and the appearance thereof um well like what's the merit of that the merit of racism yeah like what exactly how how do you link um skin color to something that matters to me huh <sighs> I I mean I personally don't but like I think let's say well shit man 
<laughs> I don't actually know how to be racist is what it comes down to. But I'm sure there's something about me that has prejudice or like if I look out in a, in a group or a crowd, I'm going to notice the skin color of people in terms of how I'm describing them to a friend, mm -hmm. let's say. That's different. Though. That's functional. Okay. So aside from the functional side of things, then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I, do, I don't know. I don't think racism has really any leg to stand on as an intellectual, as a serious intellectual position. Have you never heard anyone try to defend it as such? Not really. I don't think I have. Interesting. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I need to get out more. <laughs> I've been accused of being racist, and I... You know, in what context? In, okay, so here was the, the joke. Have you heard the joke from Tropic Thunder? Uh said by Robert Downey Jr., who's playing a black guy. Mm -hmm. it, but he's like an actor playing a black guy. It's, it's a weird meta thing, but he, he goes, someone says, you people, and then Robert Downey's character says, what do you mean, you people? And then the other actual black guy in the group says, no, what do you mean, you people? <laughs> <laughs> and it was just one of those... Like it was such a great joke, but I said something like that to to a white guy, and in the context of, uh, well, you and your people, like the people you listen to, mm -hmm. as in whatever authorities oh, he subscribes yeah, yeah. to. Yeah, I follow you. And I've it, it was taken. Yeah, oh, yeah, I do it almost like as a. I'm just gonna check if these people are racist about things, or if they at least know how to take a good joke here, or yeah, if they've seen Tropic like Thunder. Feel, it's feeling out the boundary, right? For sure. Like, the place where racism could reside, I, I poke there mm -hmm. just to see if there's any humor. And if there's no humor, to me it feels like there might be some racial, unexamined racial tendencies, let's say. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I, but I got accused of being racist just for saying something to the effect of you people to a white guy. That's ridiculous, dude. I thought it was ridiculous too. And I spent a, the good part of the night trying to defend, you know, how racism wasn't really a thing where I grew up and mm -hmm. so on and so forth. 